Welcome to another Principle of Hospitality podcast summer series. I'm your host as always, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you're kicking back, having a bevy as you're listening to this one. We replay Andrew Joy from Carlton Wine Room here in Victoria. He's an absolute legend of the industry. Fantastic venue in Carlton. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. I certainly enjoyed talking with him this year. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to another Principle of Hospitality podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Carlton Wine Room occupies a treasured corner in the old part of Carlton in Faraday Street. Carlton Wine Room is a classic bistro influence with a respect for the changing seasons balanced with what their suppliers are offering to culminate in comforting dishes that work with wine. They have distinct dining spaces over five levels <laughs> that are linked with a common offering, solid, informed service and good times. My experience with Carlton Wine Room is always friendly, accessible and remarkable. So it's a pleasure to sit down with the co-owner, Andy Joy. How are you, Andy? How are you? Good, Sean. How are you going? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for hosting us today in this um, in this amazing venue. Um, it's it's really good to visit it again. As I said to you when I when I came in, like it's been a good eighteen months since I've been, and I feel a bit guilty of that. <laughs> so well, we've, we've had a little bit of an issue in the middle of that, haven't we? So <coughs> I forgive everybody who hasn't been here last year. That's fine. We've all uh, <laughs> stayed at home. We've all stayed at home, which is nice. But it's, um, I mean, it's a lovely day and it just reminds me of how fantastic, you know, this venue is in Carlton. Yeah, it's a pretty amazing building that we occupy here and we're pretty blessed to have it and, uh, you know, have the opportunity to do what we do mm-hmm. in such an amazing environment and space um, and just respect the corner as well and respect the local community. I think sort of one of the main drivers that sort of drives Travis and I on a daily basis is to, to truly be here and be present in the building and be mm. present in the community as well mm-hmm. um, you know just through the way that we are when we put the furniture out or whatever it might be you yes know, just sort of like saying hi and yeah i think that the the corner needs to express that openness and that's that's kind of what we try and make the building do and mm-hmm. the business do on a daily basis mm-hmm. So how did how did you both take on this building? Because obviously this this wasn't your building to start with. You bought you bought this business, yeah, right? In, yeah, twenty eighteen we mm-hmm. bought this business. Mm-hmm. Um, how do how do we take? That's a good question, actually. <laughs> um, so it, Travis and I have known each other for Travis Howe is my business partner. Mm-hmm. Known each other for a long long time. Mm-hmm. Um, how many years I can't actually probably tell you, but it's quite a while. <laughs> but he he and I were both. Uh, in positions in wine um, in Flinders Lane, right at the period when fin- like Flinders Lane was sort of just sort of starting to take off, like two thousand and eight onwards. Yes. Um, so I was at Cumulus Inc. Mm-hmm. Travis was at Coda, mm-hmm. um, and we'd often you know burn the midnight oil discussing our you know combined ideas around wine or what what it might be and mm-hmm. how how's your list going, how you're finding the trade, like what's going on and and that sort of developed into a, a pretty solid friendship mm. over the years. Um, and then we were away on a on a uh, trip with Salahand uh, in Porter in we're in New Zealand, and we ended up getting a being put in a chalet together. Um, <laughs> hey, how you doing? Nice chalet. <laughs> can you see the snowy mountains? Yeah, I can, darling. 
It's so, so nice. romantic. Yeah. Are you sleeping? <laughs> Get off me. <laughs> so, uh, so we're in this amazing spot and we just sort of started talking a bit about, um, you know, what we'd like to do with our futures. And it was mm. sort of, it was pretty daunting back then to sort of go, oh, yeah, I'd love to own something. It just mm. seemed, it seemed very unattainable. Mm-hmm. Like it seemed very difficult to try and get to that point. So it was always something we spoke about and, you know, everything like that. And um, especially over that weekend, which, <laughs> which, was, which was full of me getting up way too early and making Travis coffee and going, come on, make it What are you still doing in bed? <laughs> yeah. Get on going. Drink a hydrolyte. Get the fuck <laughs> Get up. <laughs> we all need them. It's good. Um, and so it, it just, yeah, it just sort of stuck in the back of our minds and we sort of would, would revisit the idea every now and then and then it became a bit more serious when we um, sort of struck upon two silent investors mm-hmm. who will remain silent <laughs> um who were amazing human beings uh who have really been amazing mentors for travis and myself yeah right and continue to be they're just great blokes mm. um but they sort of you know travis was like oh you know i think we could get this to work and and i'm like yeah let's go and we'll have lunch with them right and, <laughs> and i'll tell you the story like if you want to bear with me i'll tell you the story of lunch <laughs> Um, so lunch turned out to be Francois and they said, oh, you know, we'll bring the wine, you guys fix up the food. And we're mm-hmm. like, okay, great, this sounds good, this sounds good for me and Trav, this is great, no worries, <laughs> a couple of snails, I can afford that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so they, they brought a, a huge bracket of wines and um, they served every single one of them to us masked and blind, so basically wow. wrapped in foil. And Travis and I had to try and figure out what these wines were and where they were from in the world and the year that they were made and all this sort of stuff. And it was kind of – it was in, in some ways a bit of a test, I think. Yes. <laughs> Cheekily. So. I think it was like a, an options game to go, well, do we want to be in business? Well, maybe, you know. <laughs> and so we, we – the lunch was amazing. Mm-hmm. The wines were great. We kind of got through the bracket, I think, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and from that point on it was like, right, well, we're, we're going to do this. And then – so we – started to work on the idea of where it might be and Mm -hmm. discussing things. And we just happened to be walking through Carlton and we were walking past the Carlton Wine Room and we just said, like, literally, what about that? Wow. Because I'd I'd worked across the road at 312. Yes. Like, years ago, like 15, 16 years ago now, or even longer. Right. I can't actually remember the dates. Um, But – and I'd always looked at this building and just thought, what an amazing building. Yes. And – you know, it it was always in my mind in some ways, and then to walk past and go, well, what about that? And I was like, oh, well, I reckon that could actually really, really work. Mm-hmm. And it had the right makeup, it had the size, mm-hmm. um, and 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 everything that you needed to um, to have. And you know, and you know, Jay, who originally set up the Carlton Wine Room, had done a really great job mm-hmm. um, in in cementing it as a place to be, and then. Like in a lot of ways, I you got Jay to thank in so many ways because he did quite a lot of work here mm-hmm. to get it to where it was, um, mm-hmm. and we came in at the end. And I think that we sort of got a really great opportunity to turn something into what it has become. And like we didn't really do a great deal of work to it in, a, in much, but I think it's um, what we've ha- have brought here is is that what I was talking about that community focused sort yep. of offering that we do and. That that's sort of where that's evolved to, but yeah, like that is kind of the story. It was a bit relatively haphazard, and I don't know if it was particularly 
like directly planned in a lot of ways, but it certainly it was one of those magic moments that came together. And mm. I think that, but I think that like I, ha I had been offered a lot of partnerships over the years, but like none of them ever seemed to sort of actually sit well with me. Why is that? Well, I just I, I think that like having witnessed businesses fail mm. before mm. and seeing the reasons why they fail, I think that I was very conscious of not entering into a partnership that right. that would. Like I needed, to, we needed to. Well, Travis and I both needed to enter into a partnership that could actually weather the storm of opening a business, sure, running the business day to day. And yes. then not only that, but seeing it past that the first three years, which we have done, but also seeing it through to the next 10, 15, mm. whatever it can be, because when businesses do fail, that they they cause a lot of financial damage across the board. You know, like it's um, I've never. I've, there was a restaurant I witnessed closing in Flinders Lane, which I won't name name of because it was, I'm sure for the owners it was a tragic story, but um, they'd spent so much money on the fit-out. Yes. And I remember coming into work one day at um, Cumulus and I was watching these guys sort of, you know, throw out these light fittings that I knew were about $5,000 a piece. Wow. <laughs> you know, like wow. or some ridiculous price. And just thinking, my God, like that's not just a light fitting, that's somebody's mortgage now. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like that's going to be that effect because mm. they'd only traded they hadn't even traded for 12 months and they were yeah. closing the doors so right so i was very conscious and very cautious to enter into the correct partnership and i think that's what we have here is is the great coming together of, of four people who can actually make it work both from a front of house perspective but also the mentoring that we get from our two silent partners just from a business perspective is is fantastic you know like i think that that's also what makes it work is that yeah yeah was was it important for you guys to to buy something that was established? Was it was it the fact that you did that as a lower risk opportunity, or was it the fact that yeah, the building like was so fantastic the, that you well, wanted I to jump Well, I think the building in? number one, like really, yeah. you've got to respect the fact that the building is absolutely uh, stunning, prime yeah. building in in the heart of a great suburb. Yes, yes, that mm. is the the case. But I think also you are right in that, like, if I if I look at setting up a restaurant now, and it might even just be my risk-averse nature, mm. I wouldn't go and set up one from scratch somewhere. Interesting. Like in the city. or mm -hmm. I Like the cost of putting in a kitchen, you know, doing the entire fit out mm. can run into the millions very quickly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I don't have the appetite for that. Yeah. And I'm just – I'm aware of that. That's just who I am. I'm just like, you know, I, I witnessed my dad lose – a lot of money um, towards the end end of his career, and mm. um, you know the yeah the bank foreclosed on his house and took it from him. So I I've seen what happens um, with that, and which is you know that was that's also co coloured a lot of my decision making in a lot of ways was seeing that that sort of outcome. You know. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's you know family stuff, but um, yeah, I think that that's definitely shaped my cautious nature in terms of investment. Yeah. Is is, is relative. Yeah, you know, but I, it, I think interesting enough it, on that now. I mean, if we look at what's just happened in the last twelve months, mm. there's also this great renaissance that we could witness here in Melbourne because because so much has potentially gone by the wayside in mm. terms of operational businesses. Yes, there's a lot of real estate out there, mm -hmm. and if there's you know young people out there that want to have a go, it's almost like now is actually a prime time to potentially have a go. Yes, because there's actually space to do it now. Yeah, you know? it's achievable. It's achievable, mm. yeah. Mm. And 
and I think that we could witness a very a great sort of response in Melbourne because those that really want to be here are going to put the, the effort into being here and they're 100%. going to create great things. And I'm really excited about that idea. Yeah. I think that's a really great thing. We've mm -hmm. got talent here and now we've just this this pandemic we've been through has, has created a space where that that you know talent pool can shine. You know? Yes. Like, yeah. I think that that's that's just a really beautiful thing that could actually occur. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. all those people wanting to escape Melbourne, don't run away. <laughs> Stay well, here. <laughs> well, there's been there's been so much talent which has left Melbourne, right? Oh, and, absolutely. And, and it's over a tragedy. The, <laughs> over the last twelve months, like it's just um, you know it's just amazing to even talking with you know. Um, with with Maddie Lane the other week, and, yeah, yeah, and, and talking yeah. about how he lost so much of his like, all his kitchen stuff. I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, which is uh, something we should sort of really talk about. Like the way the government didn't support mm. a lot of the um, you know overseas workers, overseas yeah. workers, immigrant based labour, whatever it mm. might be. Mm. We could have done a better job. Yeah, you know? like especially for our industry. Like our industry is is reliant on a lot of people from elsewhere. Yes. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's not going to change anytime soon, right? It's not going to change anytime soon. No, no, no. I want to talk about that later in the podcast. I think it's a really important point. Yeah, hundred um, percent. But but first of all, if we talk about because I think you know you just said that there's so much opportunity now mm. in the industry, and a lot of people are going to think, Andy, the next couple of months, you know, towards the end of 2021, mm. about buying their first business, right? Those yeah. chefs or baristas and that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. What did you and Trav learn from buying an established business, which a lot of people were about to do? Um, what did you What did you change? What didn't you change coming into this venue? What did What didn't we change? Like in terms of what we did in the actual venue? Yes. Uh, yeah, so obviously the name was the same. Yeah, the name's the same because it's yes. a good name. Yes, like, it's a really good name. It's really it's, obvious. <laughs> <laughs> I think we had a, we actually had a discussion about the name. For, I think it took about a day, and we're like, why are we even bothering to try and change this? <laughs> is actually really good isn't it yeah it's fine let's not do that that's easy I'm glad we all agree um Trav and andy's corner of wine not gonna happen um uh, what did we do look you know, honestly like we we, we kind of just paired it all back i think we kind of mm. tried to simplify the, the in terms of the actual building if that's what you're talking about straight yeah. away it's just yeah. like yeah, we threw a bunch of stuff out. Like mm. that's true. We threw out some lots and lots of stuff, um, mm. and we looked at the functionality of the actual building. Like I think it had a, a big office upstairs, and I walked in there and I was like, "Well, this is this is too big to be an office because right. you can run a restaurant from an iPhone now." So yes. we don't need two massive desks. What we need is another room where we can sell seats. Yep. So you know, yep. like that's that's where that became another function room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's about sort of assessing the the real estate you have, um, being realistic about what you can achieve in terms of your own abilities and the abilities of the team around you. Um, but also don't be shy. Like You've got to try and push it out there as well. I think timidity is something that can actually drive you you know, to the wall as well. Yeah. So you, you do point. need to be able to put yourself out there. I mean, it's frightening. Like, oh, my God, like I remember having a lot of sleepless nights coming into this, like <laughs> just going, oh, my God, I hope this works. <laughs> I've just got my long service leave from McConnell and I, it's just all gone into this. <laughs> Fingers crossed. You beauty. <laughs> um, but like it, I think, um, yeah, just I, d don't be scared and, and sort of like back yourself into it as well. Like, mm. um, yeah, it's, it's a very difficult question in, in that sense, like, because it does come down to your own innate abilities. Like, sure. And I think that, 
you know, if you focus on the hospitality, mm. if you focus on day-to-day making it good, yes. right, don't get, don't get caught up in the greater picture of what's my Instagram profile doing, what's mm. this doing. Like that stuff will take care of itself, sure. right? Yep. Because that's driven actually driven by the populace and the public more than anything else. You, yeah. can, you can have a great Instagram profile yourself, but guess what? No one cares. Yes. Um, yeah. Like, it's and if you're not delivering on great service and great if product, you're not, like if you're not doing the day yeah. in day out thing, then just like it's just it's the it's the essence of what we do. And I think it's it's really about important to focus on those those things. Like, yeah. Just focus on making good things day in day out. And I think I, I really learnt that from working with Andrew McConnell for 15, 16 years. Oh God, long time. Yes. Fifteen years, whatever it was. But I think. You look at the dedication he has to task and craft and across the businesses, like the consistency is amazing. Like mm. It's amazing. Yes. And um, yeah, I, I learned a great deal from working in those businesses and just knowing that it's – everyone can – you know, you can have these lofty ideals but unless you focus on the day-to-day mm. – and the task at hand, yeah. your lofty ideals mean nothing. <laughs> so can, true. You can think whatever you want, yes. but unless you're doing the thing every day, mm. you you just yeah, you, you might be lost pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. Once you guys were actually in it, like, did you did you change anything? Because like operationally, like I'm coming in, I'm looking at you know five to six different zones that you could actually yeah. serve um, yeah, we, wine and food here. Like, did you yeah. you know? Look, I think one of the things I think we changed. Um, you know, I, look, I don't. I'm not completely across how the business was run previously, yeah. but I think we were very firm on our value. Sure. Like what we're worth. Yes. You know? Yeah. So, but this also also is driven by the reality of wages. Mm. We all know what that feels like. <laughs> yes. um, but you know, we committed to our function rooms being a minimum of twelve hundred dollar minimum spend to have them. That's right. it. Like that's twelve hundred dollars yep. minimum spend. Yep. So that is based on what it, it costs to staff it. You know, cost of goods, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Realistically, we have to be making twelve hundred dollars to open the door to one of our function rooms. Yeah, that's just a set in stone fact. Mm-hmm. Like we don't waver on that mm-hmm. because I think if you start sort of, you know, trying to shortcut, undersell yourself. Oh yeah, you can have that for four hundred bucks. Well, yeah. you can do that for four hundred bucks, but it just cost you one hundred and ten to do that. Yes. So yeah. why would you do it? Mm-hmm. You know, like so, I think we we're being very firm on that. Um, you know, and that, that comes through having a great uh, person in the office, mm-hmm. Simon Fenton, who's an absolute legend. <laughs> um, and, you know, just being solid about what we do and, and, and not and not kowtowing to sort of things, you know. Yeah. But you still ha- you have to be hospitable at the end of the day. Correct? Yes, of course. But you also need to respect the fact that it has to be a business. Yes. And it has to service what it does, you know, because there are wages to pay at the end of the week. Mm-hmm. And it's never a small bill. No. You know, and then you do have to pay your suppliers. Yep. Which are, you know, dear to my heart because they're all absolute legends. Mm. And I just ne- – I will never want to run a business where we're in a position where we're not servicing that, you know, that reality of debt to those who have, have who've, you know, supplied everything that we are using. Like of course. I don't think it's an outcome that I ever – will ever accept, you know, I don't – you know, pay your bills. That's mm. what I think. So, mm. so, yeah, I think it's really about sticking to your guns and – sort of making sure that what you do on a daily basis is is actually servicing the needs of the business you know? yeah and being conscious of it you know yeah for sure yeah. i want to i want to ask you about last year um just for a second mm-hmm. and you've kind of you've kind of taken me down a path i, w- I didn't know i wanted to go down but now i do this is scary 
I'll lay it up here. <laughs> Do you feel you're more connected with your suppliers now? Because oh, of what happened last year? Well, yeah, definitely because of what happened last year. But I think we we're, yeah. were pretty connected already. Sure. Um, but because of my history as well, um, being a primary producer myself, mm. I think my respect for pr- primary, primary producers um, has always been there. Sure. Because I know what it takes to get a bottle of wine to the table. Yeah, yeah. I've done 22 years of being involved with the vineyard, mm. um, planted it and seen it grow. Wow. And, you know, seen all the ins and outs of what that does to family dynamics and yeah. everything that goes with that. You know? mm-hmm. And um, I think that, yeah, my respect for anyone that can produce anything, my God, anything at all, is pretty, it runs pretty deep, yeah. Mm. I, I um. I have huge amount of respect for anyone that produces anything. So, yeah, yes, the connection is definitely there and the connection will remain there. I think it's sort of um, just it is just a respectful thing that I you know, will always carry. You know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I guess the reason why I ask that question as well, it's not, it's not often that um, venues will give a nod to their supply chain and their seasonality on their website, Yeah, you know, and the yeah. way they talk about things. And I, that's what I really admire about what you and Trav have done here is this, this connection. Yeah. And and um, it's just obvious, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But see, that's that's the other thing as well. I don't think it's also something we need to. I think we can. Sometimes we sort of um, you know, farm to table. <laughs> yes, we're doing farm to table. <laughs> Here's a clot of dirt. <laughs> um, you know, like, but it's it. It sh- it should just be like I think. It goes in hand in hand with um, my my thoughts on farming as well but i mm. think that which i will express in a sec but yeah i think that if you run a quality thing like if you're trying to do a quality thing like it, it should just be the fact that who you're using are great people of great, course great producers yes in their essence because yes like if it's a good quality thing what we need to do at our end is very simple yeah you know you don't need to do much yes you know like that's a great point you know getting you know Fruit and uh, the veggies from Romaro Farm, who's Oliver's mate of mine, absolute legend, and you know, sure, Wagyu out of Balan. Um, yeah, just like these are great families and great people, and yeah, why, why would you not want to work with them? Why would you want to work with anyone else who's you know, anyone who's not doing a great job of on course. their property? And that yeah. sort of comes back to even the wine list as well. Like, you'll see that there's a little symbol that's like tree hugger, and like, so the tree hugger basically means anyone that uses either biodynamic organic or what i'd like to call best practice and that's just basically regenerative agriculture on their farms mm. and that's like this is we need as eth- like trying to be ethical operators in yes. what we do yeah it you should just be focusing on these people of course but i don't think it should be the ultimate flag of your business i think it just should be that's yeah, it right. you know like it just should be normal it just should be normal yeah you should just normalize that thing, yeah 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 know? yeah um yeah, that's that's what I think about that. It's just yeah. So the same yeah, same goes for what we do at the farm as uh, myself. Is just mm. like it's it's yeah, regenerative agriculture. It's not certified organic. I, you know, I don't, I don't actually don't really have certification. Does it need to be? I don't think it does. Like yeah. I don't think we should. I mean, it goes down that path as well. It's just like why would you not just treat the land that way? Mm. Why do you need certification? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just That's a great <laughs> point. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yeah, cool. You're really doing a great job. Here's the sticker. <laughs> Thanks. thousand dollars. So, what do you think it's going to take to? What do you think it's going to take to for that to be normal? 
more of a conversation. We need to speak about it more. We need to talk about the way we actually produce things. You know, as an industry between each other or as to consumers? As an industry between each other, consumers, yeah. everything. Like supermarkets, the whole deal. Like it's, it's, a, it's a supply problem across, you know, a lot of it. Like, and with global warming being what it is, I think that, you know, if you're not, if you're not operating that way, like, it turns out you're a terrorist. You know, like <laughs> yes. it's just, yeah, yeah. we, we got to, you know, I think, oh God, I don't want to get too too full on about this but like yeah we, we need to start treating the planet better you know? yeah and i'm gonna leave that one there because <laughs> that's gonna cause a whole lot of stuff somewhere i'm not sure what's gonna cause but i just think um as farmers yep you have the land so treat the land better yep yeah yeah i, th- I think it's pretty it's gonna be better it? for you it's gonna mm. be better for your family it's gonna be better for your customers mm. longevity will be better you mm-hmm. get more out of it. Mm-hmm. So I just think that, you know, it, it should uh, it should just be, it shouldn't even be a conversation. It just should be. Like, I don't know. Um, we need to let go of a lot of old ways of farming. You know. What do you think is stopping that? What's stopping it? Um, I think being tied to a lot of old ideals about, you know, what inputs do mm. in the soil, like superphosphates and things like that. Yeah, none of it's good. <laughs> yeah. It's not really doing anything. Yeah, it's yeah. just stripping the soil of all of its nutrients. But um, I think that's driven by you know decades of well, God, things like, like you're talking late what now? It's the 1940s. I think was superphosphate started to come in. And yep. Yep. So yeah, so I think that you know you've got this entrenched concept, you know, where people just think that that's how you need to farm and. It's just it's so ingrained. Mm. But what's what's going to? But the thing is, that it can be a pretty a relatively quick turnaround realistically mm. on, a, on a piece of land. So uh, it's going to take a, probably a lot a lot more younger people getting involved. You know, sure. I think that that's the thing. Like, you know, looking at out the area that our vineyards in out in the Pyrenees is just you know, it's there's a lot of older operators out there, and Leighton, who's the winemaker out there, who's my cousin, mm-hmm. and I. Probably pretty young relative to that area. Sure. You know? So um, I think that that's yeah a bit more youth being involved and like <coughs> it, that's a, the other thing as well is like if you look at agricultural areas in Australia, I mean we really do need to have a huge push to encourage youth to be involved because those areas are starting to lose their their youth base very quickly. Absolutely. Um, and without anyone to fill those vacuums we're going to have a bit of a problem at mm. some point in those areas so mm. yeah i think um the agricultural sector needs a, a bit of a shake up mm. and also a bit of encouragement for people to get involved yeah 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 it's a it's a huge looming issue yeah, yeah. i think like my family has an orchard um mm. in the riverland in south australia i think i might have oh, told yeah. you that no, and um, oh, okay. Well, um, now I know though. It's now right. you, there you go. <laughs> so I do, and it's a, but it's a hobby thing, right? It's like it's like a it's like a thing my parents have had on the side for four yeah, years, right? Um, but I'm curious in that change of like regenerative, you know, agriculture and that kind of stuff, and yeah. not using Roundup and that kind of stuff anymore. Mm. I wonder if it's just a concern that they'll u- lose a couple of years of yield. Yeah. In that changeover. Yeah, I think there's a lot right? of that fear around. What if, what if it doesn't work? What if the crops don't come next year, <laughs> yes. Johnny? Um, you know, like, it's yeah. It's what if what does happen? Um, but 
But if that's know, your livelihood, it's a big decision. Yeah, it's, right? a, it's a big decision. Mm. Yeah. But you'll look at the studies and it will show that after two years you'll be in a better place. Yeah. And you're not having to pay for the superphosphate or the yes. roundup. Yes. Yes. Yeah. For many reasons it'll be in a for better place. For many reasons. Stop killing all the bugs. Yeah. There actually, there's some good bugs some out good there bugs, as well. Some good bugs, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about last year for a second. And, mm. and obviously, you know, you're, you've got a, um, a five-level venue here. Yeah. That's driven by booze. <laughs> Oh, um, there's booze everywhere. <laughs> it's debaucherous. It's great. Come on down. Trav and Andy's wine corner. <laughs> Trav and Andy's five-level wine corner. Five-level wine <laughs> corner. <laughs> so how did how did you guys get through last year? How did we get through last what did you year? Do, what, did you do, what did you do that was you what know, did we do? not obviously different? Well, are you talking about after I broke down completely <laughs> in front of all the staff and cried? Okay, yes. let's go from there on. Um, yes. yes. Yeah, look, we... Made the decision very quickly as, as uh, a group of owners to to not go down the path of doing any takeaway. Um, How long did you discuss that for? About a minute. Right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> not very long. Like it yep. was, It's just not what we do. Yep. And there's other people out there that do it better than we do. Sure. And they can do that. Mm-hmm. And yep. So, which was pretty daunting to go into the first lockdown not knowing what was going to happen next. Sure. So it took me about two weeks to not be an absolute ball of nerves, <laughs> worrying about everything. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and, and c- because there was a bit of a lag time in that period in terms of what the government was going to really do and offer. Yes. So we had 32 people when we had to go and I had to stand down 32 people. Wow which I never thought I'd have to do ever mm. and I never want to do that again. Mm. Please and thank you. Um, so, yeah, we had to stand down 32 people um, and then, yeah, so that, that first little bit, there was no real indication as to what was actually going to occur and so there was some, we had some pretty full-on discussions on the phone and like mm. little conference calls and stuff like that, which was great and, you know, the guiding... You know, silent partners were amazing through that period, sort of encouraging us to, you know, not go completely mental. You sure. Because yeah. I didn't know, like, you know, there's money owing to the bank <laughs> and I've got a massive tax debt mm. and, oh, God, what am I going to do now? Mm. I own five surfboards and I'm going to have to sell every one of them. First <laughs> <laughs> uh, world problem. Um, so, yeah, it's like... To work your way through that not knowing was was pretty big. So after the first two weeks, I decided to kind of let a lot of that go right. and just wait and just see what happened. Because Interesting. Because when the decision's taken away from you, like your speculation goes out the window. Yeah. So like yeah. what am I going to speculate on? Why, mm. why, why speculate at all? Why put myself through that stress and anxiety? Sure. For the sake of me going, aha, I knew that was going, what was going to happen. Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, great, you really won, didn't you? No, <laughs> you didn't win, didn't win at all. You just sat there in a ball of anxiety and stress. Mm. So I kind of just let it go a bit and just control tried to enjoy control. every day mm-hmm. as it was and as it came and dealt with whatever it was as it came through. And mm. I was really lucky enough to go and, you know, 
ended up going and living with my brother and his family and taking, you know, helping him take care of his kids and cooking for them. It was really great. And my daughter was able to come over every now and then and do homeschooling and it was good. And, like, oh. I, I really enjoyed it. Like, oh, yeah. it was a good time. <laughs> um, but the best thing came when JobKeeper was announced and I was able to put 22 people back onto the payroll yeah. and keep them going. Wow. And that was a great relief. And I, the government did a bloody great thing in doing that. that was yes. A, that was awesome. Yes. Know, because it gave me the peace of mind that those people who I felt dearly responsible for were going to be taken care of. Yes. Because as a business, we would not have been able to do that on our own. No, of course not. And you know what? I doubt that there's any business out there that could have. No. Absolutely not. So I no. think that the government did a huge thing in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just... Yeah, once that was announced, um, yeah, I just spent... The rest of it sort of I was able to uh, get myself a, a pass to get through the iron curtain <laughs> and go to the farm and, and do work out there. And that's what I did. I ended up sleeping in a swag for most of winter and like cooking over a fire. <laughs> just Oh, there goes Huckleberry Finn. Between, <laughs> you know. Uh, I just had a really good time. Had you done um, that before? Hey? Had you done that before? What do you mean? Like, like sleep- as in sleep- sleeping in a swag and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, that's how we set the farm up originally. Right. Yeah, we, yeah right. We, there was no infrastructure. It was a sheep property originally. So we spent wow. like a mu- like we spent a lot of time sleeping in swags and just out by the fire and whatever. Like, yeah, it's just how I kind of grew up. Kind of grew up that way. Grew up that way a fair bit, you know. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, in, in that regard it was good. And then, like, I just um, had some nice moments where I was able to, you know, call on staff who might have been around and just sort of drop off some wine on their front porch or leave a bunch of wattle for them or whatever it was <laughs> just to, like just i think it was really important for me to try and improve someone's day like because yeah, it was true. so hard yes it was ridiculous you yes. know like so it's yeah. just like if there was anything i could do that just like made some i don't know just have a smile for a sec i really focused on doing those things you know like just you know dropping off um Travis' partner was pregnant at the time. Yeah, and I right. dropped her a big bunch of wattle, and <laughs> like, and I, I, I think I think she was happy about. It. I'm glad she. Was, I think she. Yes, God damn it, she was happy. About <laughs> this. And I'm just, and like I don't know. I think that 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 for me, I don't know. I just I had these cheeky moments. Where I was like, I'm gonna run the gauntlet. I'm gonna go out of my zone here. I'm gonna drop some wattle off to somebody <laughs> and a bottle of wine. And I'm going to do it with a smile on my face. I'm, I'm curious if you're going to start a wattle florist after this. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that would go very far, actually, <laughs> thinking about it. Scratch that idea, Sean. That's a bad idea. No, I don't know. Look, you know, I think it was very important for me to stay positive as mm. long as I could. As, but it was, it was hard. Like, it was a hard thing to stay positive through because it's the not knowing was very difficult. You know, yeah, the not sure. knowing when this was going to be done and... You know, we'd, we'd have a monthly meeting or a weekly catch-up on the phone with the directors and, you know, it was... Yeah, the, they were great. Like, they they were amazing, the two, mm. you know, our silent partners. Um, mm. were just amazing through that whole period. And, you know, I even remember one day I took a phone call from Andrew McConnell and he's just like, oh, he's like, how are you going? I'm like, I don't know, how are you going? <laughs> I was like, I'm going pretty good. He goes, you know that you're going to be okay. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the good ones are going to come out all right. And I'm like, oh, it's really <laughs> bloody great to hear somebody say it because you just you just didn't know. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, so once once again I get back to the point of, like, stop trying to extrapolate everything. 
like you're only going to cause yourself harm by doing it. Mm. Just just try and live each day and and try and you know do the best you can each day. I don't think that there's much more than you can do, especially in this industry. Yes, you know there's just so many things around the corner, and you just yeah, if you want to try and pinpoint all of them, I think you're going to go crazy doing it. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you feel like you're more connected to the hospitality community now? I mean, obviously you've you've had that connection with Andrew for a yeah. hell of a long time, and and you've got a good good staff base, and I'm sure they appreciate that you and Trav looked after them so well during the time last year. Yeah, look, I, it's a funny one for me. Like it's, <laughs> I think connected co- to community just in general. I think is probably the point. But um, yeah, the, it's it's funny. Like I. <sighs> Doing what I do, like I'm a relatively recognisable human being, and my daughter Matilda often is like, we'll be walking down the street together, and I'll say to say hi to like five people in the space <laughs> of two blocks, and she goes, "Dad, who are these people? <laughs> You're famous. What do you, what do you, why do you keep saying hi to everybody?" <laughs> I just go, "Oh, sh- sorry. <laughs> oh, that's such and such, darling. Oh, yes. Okay, okay, okay. Which, like, really is an amazingly grounding thing when you actually look at it mm. and I, I i really enjoy it and like, I, i've got the time of day for everybody like i just i don't know i just enjoy <laughs> I, don't know, I just enjoyed doing what i do and i think that's part of it is, is being part of that community on the whole and mm. greater community but um hospitality yeah my god i, th- I think that i have um a, sh- a huge amount of respect for anyone that made it through last year and yeah. I've got an amazing amount of respect for anyone who's going to continue going Mm. You know, and I think that we should all pat ourselves on the back for getting through it and actually coming out and, and being ready to roll. And and um, you know, I went for to a restaurant catering industry um, lunch the other day, and it was mm-hmm. great to just sort of yeah see the see everyone in the room at, down at Grossi and mm-hmm. see Carlo. I hadn't seen Carlo for ages. Pretty stoked to see Carlo. Always <laughs> stoked to see Carlo <laughs> <laughs> and the whole Grossi family because it's just such amazing people. Yeah, what they do. Um, and you, yeah, like God, seeing legacy like that, you see legacy like that, and the way that they look at this, yeah, man, like holy hell, like next that's, level, it's next level. Mm. Like just like, I, I just, I feel blessed to be part of any of this. Like yeah. to be, you know, it, anywhere near being able to do this, and, mm. and like, yeah, I, I, I'm stoked every day I come to work. I'm just, I enjoy it so much, and um, yeah, I just. But also, I don't know, I, th- I was thinking about this this morning, it's just like the amount of people over the years who, you know, have been involved with or trained or, you know, and to watch people move on and do things and grow and uh, I, that's the other thing that I love, you know. I love that. I love that legacy there as well. It's I like, agree. you know, seeing people go and open their own businesses like my mate Owen who's got Vex up in Northcote and, mm-hmm. like, you know, he's done this great little, oh, Westgarth I think it is actually, but it's a, great little restaurant he's given it a crack and like just i love seeing that that just makes me so stoked <laughs> just so happy. Oh, come on, he's done it look at get, yeah get it man do it you know um but yeah just i just think it's it's a great industry and i think that we need to have as many people involved as we can get I think yeah there's you know but that's the thing it's so broad i get like you've got the you don't only have like it's not only just uh, it's a restaurant there's the the farming side of it the wine production side of it there's so many things to be involved industry and it just so happens we've got an amazing country in australia that you can actually like really do so many different things yeah you can really give it a crack across the board if you want Mm. and it's all out there you just got to sort of commit to doing it you know 
Yeah. And be kind to yourself while you're doing it. Yeah, 100%. Stop having late nights, everybody. Go to bed. <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah. It's definitely not easy. Do you yeah. think um, we talked about um, international staff at the start of the podcast yeah. and and obviously that lends itself to talking about training and, and who's coming through the industry, right, who's yeah. been trained well. Um, yeah. And, you know, I've had conversations with venue owners of recent times on the podcast about how – there's an underskilling of people within yes. the industry, right? Yeah. Especially yep. coming out of certain organisa- uh, certain uh, yes. training systems. Yep. yep. But there's a reason why you stayed with Andrew McConnell yeah. for over a decade. Yeah. There's a reason why you really care about what guy, you know, what guy will think about what you're doing here and and, yeah. and having yeah. that nod, right? Yeah. How do we how do we make sure we're honouring the Andrews and and the Guy Grossies and the Carlos and the Nathan Tolmans and these people in the industry who are doing yeah. such a good thing and, you know, how do we do that? Because I'm trying to think about how we use those talented individuals and and make sure that we can that can create a stronger industry and a stronger training system for our, for our industry. Well, I think, like, the ultimate outcome would be to have, like, a true culinary institute in Melbourne. Yeah. Like, honestly. Yeah, that's a great point. We do need it. Yeah. Oh, 100% we need it. I remember talking to – saying to Andrew one day, like – you know, we, I'd looked around Cumulus and was just like, my God, we, like, he's literally creating the future of hospitality yeah. in the businesses that he had. 100%. Well, he has, sorry, that yes. he has. And yes. He, and he did. <laughs> like, yeah. he did. Yeah. And it was just, it's true. It's a true thing. Like, it's um, – we, we need a true training institute. We need that, you know, for, for everything, for wine, for, you know, for chefs, um everything like just basic knife skills my god like mm. <laughs> yeah i'm not a chef but wow um <laughs> it's just i think we we, ne- we need to refocus on the base tools of what we do yes know? yeah i think that's what we're, we're that's what i'm sort of thinking and seeing more than anything else you mm. know i think that, that we need to get back to that and respecting the craft of what we do and the you know and and really respecting the core of what it is to be hospitable also. You know? Yes, 100%. Get, getting back to that as a conversation, I don't know. I think mm. that it's, it's, yeah, being hospitable, it's easy to say, but doing it every day is a different story. You know, I think it's a, you need to be very dedicated to be hospitable every day. And I think that we need to start training people in that did you find you had that ability coming into the industry or do you think people like Andrew trained that into you over time? Um, I think I was relatively hospitable before, mm. but I think I gained a respect for it more working at Cumulus than anywhere else because you saw how you could really change somebody's day. And I think that's the main thing. Like you saw if somebody came in stressed, I'd be like, oh, you know, like try and do something, you know, make, you know, whatever, try and make them a bit happier like doing something. Yes. That they wouldn't have expected, you know. Mm. And it's the small, simple things. Like, it's, it could be anything at all. Like, um, and Andrew was very good at that. Like, if you saw a solo diner, grab them a book. You know, <laughs> just, just grab them something <laughs> to read. Like, just that small consideration of they might want something other than their phone to look at, you know. Like, um, and it's, it's those considerations that I think really sunk in with me and, and, yeah, taught me to be peripherally aware of what it is to be hospitable. I think that's probably the point. You see, like you know, it created the ability to see where hospitality could actually sit in with someone's day. You know, Um, I think that that's an important thing to respect as well. Like, that's what that's why we're doing this. Restaurants are about rest and respite. You know. Yeah. So if you're not offering that as a base thing, then what are you? 
It's not it's just a great a, it's not just a food machine. No, it's just not. Yeah, it's just it's not, not just a, about the product. It's not a vending machine, mate. Yeah. Come on in. Yes. <laughs> it's not, yeah. So I think yeah, it's. But that also comes. I think there's a huge amount of you need to have a lot of s- like self-respect also mm. like, to know. Like, hospitality is not just about laying yourself out there and giving everything and burning yourself completely and going, I've got nothing left. You know, like, <laughs> to be hospitable, you need to have enough energy in yourself as well. And I think that's about self-respect and, and doing the best by yourself too. So it's really important that you, you know, try and manage your own life in a way that respects yourself so that you can be truly hospitable. Do you think that's going to be the important thing that we need to train hospitality leaders moving yeah, forward? I think so, definitely. Like it's definitely not been trained, right? It hasn't been trained at all. It's actually the opposite. Opposite, unfortunately. It's a badge um, of honour to work. Yeah, I eight work. to a hundred hours a week. Or what I, I worked hundred hours a week, and now I've got a heroin yeah. problem. Yeah, yes. exactly. Awesome, dude. That's so <laughs> yeah. good of you to you're do you're winning that to yourself. Yes. You're really winning. Yes. Um, no, you're not. Um, so, I, yeah, I, it is an important thing to train, and I think that it's something we do talk about here quite a lot. Um, mm. We don't have a huge drinking culture here, which I really like. Um, and, yeah, I think it's it's about, you know, hospitality doesn't have to be everything that you're about. It can be a great part of your life and you can actually live a very full life doing a lot of other things and work in hospitality at the same time. It's a great point. Right? So, if that makes sense. It does. I'm, <laughs> I'm smiling because I'm thinking yeah. to myself... Maybe yeah, I need it's to just <laughs> like, well, you know, yeah. I, I, hey, Sean, I'm not going to judge you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing heroin after this. Um, <laughs> no, but like it's, it's, I don't know, I think it's a very important thing just to know that like you're not at your best if you're not treating yourself well. Yes. Yeah? yeah. And guess what? You, your customers see that. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah. yeah. I'm no saint. I'm not saying that at all. I have late nights. I've been known to be out late, but <laughs> you've learnt. I've learnt. Yeah, probably took me a little bit too long, <laughs> but um, I think it's I think it's a really important thing to to know. Mm. Like I look at the discipline of our kitchen team here, and I am so impressed. Like they are just they're an absolute bunch of guns, and you know, I've got this one one apprentice, second year apprentice, Bethan, who looks like a marathon runner, and I'm like. <laughs> Holy shit, back in my day when I was younger, there was no marathon runners in kitchens. Where are your cigarettes? The, the kitchen was the marathon. Go and get, go and get your pack of darts. What are you doing? Just like, yeah, but it's just good to see. I think it's a, you know, I think that that's a great thing. And, and I, I do mean that in terms of like the way you can balance your life. Like, mm. yeah, you can have a good life. You can balance it out between, you know, what we do here. Because if you're working nights, like, yeah, it might be starting at three. So you've got this entire day mm. that you can do something. Yes. So I encourage people to do something. Do something. Yeah. yeah. Go out there and do something. Yeah. You know, God, whatever it is. I've got five surfboards. Come and borrow one. Um, <laughs> it's good to know you've still got five. Yeah, I've still got five. I didn't have to sell them in the end. Of that was really good, isn't it? Got through that pandemic with all of my surfboards intact. So happy. Success. Look at me go. <laughs> Woo! Still got a tax debt. Damn it. Okay, fine. Good. Okay. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I think it's a really important thing to be respectful of what you're doing with you. yeah yourself yeah that's it have you have you thought about the have you thought about the business and how it operates differently because you're not you're not doing 14 services a week here you know you're not you're not open lunch and dinner every yeah, single day yeah it's just tuesday and wednesday we don't yeah. open for lunch yes. um so it's just yeah, the seven nights and the five lunches um yeah. 
but is it making you yeah, think look, differently about public holidays and Sundays? Oh, definitely. And like we that? just cl- we closed for Easter, but we we've always closed for Easter. Mm-hmm. We can't like with the current wage loadings over Easter. It is, you know, it is not worth opening for us, unfortunately. Um, mm. But it's also a good time for the staff to have a break and a sh- and, a, and a scheduled set break. Sure, you know, which I, is you know, a great outcome for them. Mm. Um, has it made me? Th- yeah, look, we've been like the public holiday thing. It's a hard one. Some of them work for us. Some of them don't. Mm. Some of them you make money. Some of them you don't make money. Mm. Um, what do you look at? You look at the over the twelve months. It comes out in the wash. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but. Yeah, it, it, I think that this whole thing will – I think we, we can't – I don't really want to change our operating hours because I think that they work for the area and what we do and they, but they seem to work in terms of getting people through the door. So, sure. Um, but, yeah, I definitely do think that there is a point to be made to say that, like, after last year, we, we don't – you don't have to be 14 services. You don't yeah. have to be seven days a week, lunch yeah. and dinner. Yeah. You know, it's – it's not smart to always be out there. Mm-hmm. And I think that that goes against the grain of what, you know, a lot of uh, restaurant owners or business operators would think, so we've got to be there. It's just like, yeah. no, you don't. Mm. Like your customer base will respect the fact that you need to close or you need to not be there that day or mm. whatever it might be. Like, and I think that's the, the, greatest, the greatest thing I've seen, this is the most beautiful thing I've seen, is actually how appreciative everybody is that we, we're back. Yeah. That's right. True. Yep. Which I think is just—it's the most beautiful thing to witness in a customer that they pull you aside and they go, "I'm so glad you guys made it through." Yeah. And it just makes me gets me. You know, I was like, oh, "Thank you. I'm pretty glad too. Yeah. Actually, it's quite <laughs> nice. Yeah. You know, it's really good to be here." Um, and it's like, and on the flip side, like coming out of lockdown, I was like, the first week of trade back, I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like this is because I'd been like literally out in the wilderness, <laughs> out in the wilderness, just hanging out in, in the swag. little swag, talking, and talking to myself and doing little dances in the vineyard. Wee! Fun times. Um, are those my shoes? Uh, but the the greatest thing for me coming back was actually realizing just how much I'd actually missed this. I hadn't mm. felt it until we got back and did it. Mm. And that for me was the the greatest thing. And I just go, oh my god, this is this is exactly what I I do. This this is my job, and I love this. Yeah, I love what we do. Mm. I love it dearly. You know, like, and I think that the guests and customers that we're seeing coming through have a similar respect. Like, yeah. they've just had a whole time where they couldn't go and do this thing, and now they're coming back, and they are really really appreciative. And it's so nice to see. And I hope it stays that way. And like. <laughs> Like, our customers are amazing in general, but across the board, across Melbourne, I think that we're ve- just very happy to be back and operational and, and you know, getting this city back to life. And I think that's what we try and do in this industry is, like, we, we try and drive the culture of this city and I think that's a really important thing that we need to respect in ourselves, that what we do on a daily basis is bring culture. We do that. That's our job. Like, it's the, the culture of an actual city, you know, yeah. like... And when you take it away, I don't know if anyone walked through the city when it was during lockdown. It was scary, man. Yeah, like it was, it was scary. so scary. Like no one in the street, you know. Yeah. So I think that yeah, what we do is we try and bring a bit of life and colour. And it's Melbourne has an amazing history of that. You know? Um, totally. One of my great mentors was Patricia O'Donnell, mm-hmm. who was an incredible woman. Mm-hmm. Um, used to live above Marion. Wow. And um 
she was probably one of the main reasons I got in, into this business because she she said to me one day, she goes, Andrew, you'd be a bloody dickhead if you didn't do anything. <laughs> I just went, thanks, Patricia. <laughs> That's honest. I didn't know you swore so much. <laughs> um, but, like, she was just a great great woman and she embodied she for me she embodied culture and mm. respect for what we do like she was she was an incredible woman um yeah so yeah she yeah, definitely yeah, helped me to get to where i am really how did you deal with the emotion of coming back like we're through Ooh. this podcast we're talking we're talking about how much like this was meant for you to yeah. do hospitality to be hospitable to have connection to build community yeah to give a shit about people yeah how did I deal with it? How did you deal with the emotion of actually opening the doors again? Grozak. Uh, no, um, <laughs> and getting through. Yeah, it was getting back to it. I think, I don't know, like getting back was kind of like easy. I think the hard thing came in the form of all the stringent operational things you had to mm. lay across it. Yeah, sure. And once again, I think it, for me, I had to get back to that, well, stop extrapolating. Yeah. Stop trying to overthink this just operate see how it works and deal with that the emotional sure. side of things like how do you how do you deal with that it's a <laughs> yoga oh no just um was it humor yeah just making making light of it yeah, yeah i just yeah. think that we just yeah just like yeah absolutely 100 <laughs> percent. i think you've just because you're a very humorous person <laughs> i'm just curious if humor is the reason uh, like the way you got through it because Andy, yeah, if, if someone absolutely. comes up to you Who's been yeah. a cu- maybe? I'm sure you have a lot of people who come here every week or every Friday night or Saturday night or whatever yeah. and have a drink, right? Uh huh. And they really build it. Friday or Saturdays, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> I hope they're here. Maybe a third. a good roster. And they build a really good connection with you and your team. Yeah. And then you've had this whole period where you guys have been shut. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're open again. And they yeah. come up to you and go, Andy. Oh. Like, fuck, I'm glad you're open. You don't understand how much we've missed this. Yeah. After There's the fifth or sixth person, that becomes bloody full on. Yeah, right? exactly. And I, yeah, and I um have have been well after the well there were a couple that got me early on, and I yeah I was uh, a bit teary, and I was like, oh fuck, it is really really good to be back. <laughs> but um I think yeah it's it has become a bit of a like yeah I'm I'm still just really glad to have a business where I can employ yeah. people. Yeah. You know I'm still I'm glad that we've got this thing that we can come to every day and work in. You know like. Mm. I'm glad for that, and I'm mm. glad to be able to to be able to offer this thing that we love offering. You know, yeah, like it's the response I've got now for that. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. like absolutely, mm. and yeah, you just oh, once again, just take every day as it comes, and just be happy that you're here and be able to do it. You yeah, know? just don't look and and don't. Oh man, I think that you just don't be disrespectful for what you have. You know, because it can be taken away real quick. Yeah, that's that's the point. Andy, my last question too is is probably two in one, right? Like, what what are you looking forward to most in this year? Are you seeing opportunity for the brand? Are you, are you thinking guys are thinking of doing something different in twenty twenty one, twenty two? Well, yeah. So John Paul Toomey, who was their head chef for three years, here is headed over to Baker Blue mm-hmm. now, which I think was a great move for him because he's you know of the age where I think that he needs to spend some. He's wanting to spend time with his family and yep. I really respect that and I mm-hmm. respect his decision to go and do that. So we've got Connor Pomeroy coming on to be head chef here who's an absolute gun and the right age and ready to roll. So I'm really like my 
my role this year is shifting around where I'm going to actually be working more closely with the kitchen than ever before. Yeah, right. Which is I'm really looking forward to. I bet. Because I actually really li- I like cooking. Not that I'm going to be cooking. I'll just be like going, what are you doing today? <laughs> you having a nice time? <laughs> well done, good. everyone. Well done, everybody. <laughs> I'm off out the front to have an espresso. Does anybody want one? Okay, good. <laughs> I'm glad I'm really got this under control. Uh, this is good. Uh, but no, I think, so what are we looking, what am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to that challenge. I'm looking forward to sustaining this business for the next, God, I you know, want to get this going for another 10 years at least. Like, yeah, yeah. We're not going anywhere. You know, that's the point and I just want to be here. It's good to hear. And so the next year is about consolidating this place and making it work the way that it has been working and getting yeah. it back to that point. And it's been an amazing comeback so far. So I'm just in, I'm looking forward to keeping it going and you mm-hmm. know, making sure this great building is maintained as best as it can because I think a lot of people don't realise I'm also the maintenance man here so it's <laughs> nice. I fix everything. <laughs> it's it's handy. Oh, that's, that tap's broken. Get under the bench, Andy. <laughs> okay, thanks. I'll do that. Anybody see my wrench? My <laughs> oh, bloody toolbox. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to working with the great team that we've got here. And like mm. every day is a pleasure for me. You know, mm-hmm. I have an amazing group of people that I get to work with. That's cool. That's a cool thing to have, you know. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And, you know, Trav's just had a baby, at, you know, and so he's, he's going to be looking forward to being a dad and, mm-hmm. and enjoying that and, I think that the thing for the great thing about what we have here is Trav and I've got a you know respect for what each other needs to do in life, right? And I think that that's I don't know. Also, the other thing I probably haven't made much of a point on is just like it's okay being a business owner, but if it's destroying your life, then don't do it. You know, make sure mm. that what you do is encouraging and building your life. You know, mm. I think that that's the main thing. And I think that that's the other thing. Like I've, my daughter's just started high school as well, so um, wow. You know, she's going through the teenage change and she's like, I don't want to hang out with you anymore, Dad. You're boring. <laughs> You're not cool. Like, Turns out I'm actually pretty not boring. I'm actually pretty good. <laughs> so she's going to learn that soon. <laughs> Probably after this year, I hope. But um, I, just, I just hope that – I just want to be here and make this great so that, you know, people want to be involved with it. That's all. Like, I don't think that there's – there's no great scheme or plan. And there's, once mm. again, getting that – if you're trying to scheme and plan, I think that you, you might lose the – the side of what's going on in that day. Sure. So, yeah. You take it yeah, as it comes. Take it as it comes. Enjoy it. Drive it, you know, push it, but also make sure that it's good every day. Yeah. That's all. Andy, this has been a remarkable hour to sit down with you and have a chat. Um, yeah. So, thank you for your time. Oh, what was the best way that people can find out about Carlton Wine Room? Um, probably on probably Instagram, I think, um, mm-hmm. just at the Carlton Wine Room. Uh, you'll find that. Uh, or just www.thecartwineroom.com.au. Um, yeah. Thanks, Andy. Or, or give us a call, you know. We're <laughs> open for a chat. <laughs> open okay. for a laugh. Or <laughs> well, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Depends who you get on the day. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> all right. Andy Joy, thanks so much. My pleasure.